Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. It's 2024, and we're back with a peel back with my partner in crime, Andrew. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, James. You sound very serious there. Have you not had a good New Year? You not had a good Christmas? I've had a great New Year. I mean, it's only a few days in, but you know what I mean, as in the whole process of New Year and Christmas and got a little holiday away just to start the New Year. I wanted to see the sun, Andrew. I'm in Scotland. Yeah. It's three or four months until we see that big, round, orangey, ready thing again. But I am ready. I'm ready to hit the New Year. I don't have New Year's resolutions because I do it every year for the last 40 years and none of them ever happened. So I basically, come the end of the year, I'm a liar. Yeah. Do they last for about a week or something and then you just crack on with normal life? The funny thing is, is every time I go on holiday, right, I'll go into the bookshop, I'll have a look at all the different aisles, if you call them that or whatever they're called, all the different sections, fiction, non-fiction, autobiographies, and I'll pick a book. Do you think it gets read? <laughs> <laughs> on holiday, yes. That's my main reading time on holiday. I get through two or three books on holiday, but at home, absolutely zero because I just flick my phone out on the toilet instead of reading something. But Well, that's the New Year's resolution. Yes, I did buy a book. Yeah, it's on the shelf at the back. It's Billy Connolly, something to do with him rambling or... Well, I actually read a few pages on the plane. I just can't concentrate. You know, when it's all the different noise and stuff like that, I need like radio silence, which in life you very rarely get radio silence. But I'm an audio book man, so I listen to books and podcasts. That's how I consume life and media. Like I could listen to a book or a podcast and you could sell me a dirty used pencil with no lead and I'd say that it still works like a Parker pen. There you go. So that is how I consume life. But New Year's resolution, I ain't doing them. Andrew, I can't remember what you said last year, but I think you did say something about losing a bit of timber. Yeah, I did. Which you kind of done, but that was more forced as opposed to, right, let's do this progressively you went down the route of gastric band injections and it was like this <laughs> to clear it up james there's been no gastric band there's been no injections it's just hard graft hard graft eating clean the safety button was pushed and the what bike came in nick gill the all black strength and conditioning coach came in hard and saved your life but that happened through default rather than design so i'll go back to it i know you're a traditionalist Hit us with the New Year's resolutions that you have promised to your dear family. Uh, none, actually. I'm like you, Jim, like you say. I'm not big on New Year's resolutions because you end up just breaking them. So what's the point in saying them in the first place? The only thing I'll say is I'm just going to keep saying it as I see it, as I believe in it, whether it gets me pats on the backs, whether it annoys people. I'm just, just going to be honest. Being honest is the only way. And whether people are happy with that or not, you're just coming for some organic genuine opinions that are mine and I'm just going to stick to it so that's all I've got for you well that's fine well keep it honest and there's obviously no Andy Rowe and I know he's listening so hello Andy Rowe on your sun lounger on the beach on the farm wherever you are but Rob's going to keep us honest so talking of honesty he's going to keep us honest today Rob on that have you got any New Year's resolutions Uh, I'm the same as Goody last year I need to get shift to this kite I think What's a kite? It's yeah. basically your Ned Kelly, yeah. your belly, <laughs> your, your drum. There's Muffin so, top. Yeah, there's so many names for it. But he's seen that picture of him rolling around in the mud with McCoy's as his main sponsor for his rugby club. <laughs> what a fucking sponsor, by the way. McCoy's crisps, proper old school. So if we're going to be honest, if we're going honest, Rob, across this today, Goody's 2024 is going to go straight out honesty. I hope he doesn't because we're all fucked if he does. <laughs> but Rob, <laughs> honesty call now before we get into it. When was the last time you saw your old boy? Be honest. <laughs> I'm not your dad. And I'm not talking about your dad. <laughs> yeah, we're talking a good 
Yeah, year and a half. Great honesty. Good honesty. Yeah. Is that because of the bush or is that just because of the kite? Uh, better both. Better both. There we go. We can sort both yeah. out then. Well, Rob's going to keep us honest, Andrew, throughout this. So if we get caught up in the weeds of anything, he's going to keep us honest. So back to it. Happy New Year. We are back with a bang and there's some big news to get through, Andrew. So we're going to talk about Owen Farrell's French future. Although I'm hearing Japan is on the table as well. We're going to get the big German crystal ballies out. And we're going to make some massive predictions, some honest predictions for 2024. What else have we got on the show today? We're going to look what's happened in the Prem this weekend, a massive weekend of Premiership Rugby, as they all seem to be at the minute. We've got a proper northern hard man as our guest as well. Cannot wait to speak to the Rugby League legend and the man that has revolutionised the Saints' defence, Lee Radford. And we're just going to have a bit of fun, Jim, aren't we? So settle back, enjoy. And make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Well, Andrew, Owen Farrell, it is all change. Possibly. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, the news broke on Friday that reports were that he'd signed or agreed to sign for Racing for a couple of years from the end of the season. Racing made a statement and said nothing is agreed, which basically means it's not agreed yet, but we are talking. And, you know, you can't fault him. You know, there's an offer on the table from Racing. I'm hearing about potential offers from Japan as well. He's a brilliant rugby player. And there's a lot of pressure on him and eyes on him in the Prem with Saracens and England and everything that happened to the World Cup. Listen, I want Owen Farrell to stay in the Premiership because the Premiership as a beast is, I think it's a brilliant league and you know, ultimately you want your best players playing in England. And I've said that all along, but I, I do completely understand that players want to try different things. Players, for whatever reason it is, now people are saying this isn't a money decision, but I've heard a few people say that. Of course, it's a bit of a money decision because he's not going to go to Racing to play for peanuts, is he? It'll double his wage. Potentially, but we never know because obviously Saracens pay him handsomely as well and the England money on the line. Is it going to move the dial in terms of the England situation where players playing outside the Prem aren't allowed to play for England? Who knows? But their conversations... Well, that's the thing. I think something like this with Owen Farrell going, the conversation does need to be had. And there's loads we can talk about that. I know there's been a shift around the RPA and that stuff around the contracts and now with England. But that point specifically there, they have to look at it now. They have to. Not just because Owen Farrell, his age profile, the fact that he can still play for England in the next World Cup. But there's a message now out there, isn't there? Like Courtney Laws, talk of him leaving Northampton. Lewis Ludlam, captain, Northampton. He's off. He's leaving. He's off to France as well. So at some point, there needs to be a conversation. I know we all want to talk about the Premiership and we want the best players. There was talk of Marcus Smith as well, potentially looking in France. Yeah, that's the thing with Racing. So Racing tried to sign Marcus Smith. They tried to sign George Ford. They said no to both of those two. And obviously, they've then gone after Owen Farrell. And Racing have a deep, deep history of unbelievable fly halves that have worn that 10 jersey for them. You think about the names. Dan Carter, Johnny Sexton, Juan Martin Hernandez played for him at 10 as well. Finn Russell... And then obviously they've gone after other players and they've ended up possibly with Owen Farrell, which is great for him and his family. Wouldn't fancy Central Paris though too much with everything that's going on there. But it's a glamour club and Stuart Lancaster's gone there. There's obviously a lot of history with Stuart Lancaster as a coach and Owen Farrell and, and how well they got on. Ultimately, the big one for Racing is they haven't won the Champions Cup. They have not won the Champions Cup. And you beat them in a the final, didn't you, Jim? I say you beat them. Those two minutes were massive that you came on for. Huge. But that's the big thing. They haven't got the big trophy. And Jackie Lorenzetti, the owner, has pumped millions and millions and millions and millions of euros into the club. Yes, they've won the Bouclier de Brennus, the top 14 in France, but they haven't won the big one. 
the Investec Champions Cup and someone like Owen Farrell with all his history as a player in that competition, his attitude around it's must win for everything and how you know that drives him and drives standards within his team, it could be a perfect signing for them to win the Champions Cup from next year. And the profile of the players in that squad... You know, we, we talked about it, Sia Khaleesi, Gail Ficku in the centres, you know, they have world-class players there. And it's perhaps a big step for Faz in terms of different to how he does things. You think about playing in the La Defense Arena, the Razzmatazz, the noise, the closed roof, the disco, the beers behind the, the posts where the bar is. It's so not Owen Farrell. But we've seen a change in Owen Farrell since the World Cup. Since he got booed as much as he got booed and the flack that he's taken, he's come out of himself a bit more, hasn't he? And we've spoken about this, how he seems to be smiling, he's interacting with people more. He looks like he's enjoying it more because maybe that pressure's off now. Maybe he made that decision a while ago and that pressure's off now and he's just enjoying what's in front of him. And we saw at the weekend, he went over to the fan, the little kid who had the picture held up above his head, please don't leave Owen, and he had a picture and a cuddle with him. So maybe something like that, he's like, do you know what, fuck it, I've been this serious guy for a long time where every day is about winning those small inches to win games at the weekend and, and be as abrasive as you can be in doing everything you can to win. And he wants to go and have a bit of fun while still trying to win. So you can't fault him. You know, the whole thing, and you mentioned it then, Jim, around this England and Premiership situation, we're hearing about these 25 hybrid contracts from England, which is basically not central contracts, but top-up contracts for their club contracts over one, two or three years for individual players. It's basically fronting up the match fees or a large proportion of the match fees that they would get if they were picked to try and keep them in the country. I mean, it's great timing in one sense because they realise the RFU, they've got to do it to keep the Premiership players that are going to play for England in the competition to make that as viable as possible. But also, is it a little bit too late for certain players like your Lewis Ludlums, like your potentially Owen Farrells? I'm sure they must have had that conversation with him as well around topping up his wages. But is it a financial decision? I completely think it is a financial decision because he's, the question is, if you offered him €100 Euros a year, he ain't, he ain't going to do it, is it? So, of course, finances come into everything. But it's not him doubling or tripling his salary, probably, going to Racing, which other players are doing as well. And, you know, I, I went and did it with Breve, tripled my salary going to Breve back in the day. You know, I went from the top club in England at Leicester at the time to a, a team that were 12th in the top 14. And, you know, I can't say to players, don't do it. And it's an individual decision of what's right for them in that moment for that contract. You know, what's the future look like? And Owen Farrell can go off two years, maybe win something. We saw Johnny Sexton do it, went off to Racing. Okay, yes, he was still allowed to play for Ireland. Owen Farrell probably won't be allowed to, but could play there for two years, come back, go straight back into the Saracens mix. And then, you know, he's had two years away from the spotlight and pressure of English rugby, the RFU and everything that goes with being and captain and Owen Farrell. And then he comes back a different bloke and, you know, maybe he's regenerated himself to, to play for the World Cup in... 2027 in Australia and, and that could be a great thing but you've got to let people go and enjoy their life make their decisions what's best for him and his family and his rugby career and if he feels that's best for him then so be it Right Andrew we'll leave the Owen Farrell stuff there let's just say he's off he's leaving Saris it seems like that's going to happen but I know you were at the Andy Goode suite and it was bustling and there was fans everywhere and they were loving it and you watched Leicester dominate Saracens at scrum time, right? I did. I did. And Jim, I did think of you, actually. I was in the Andy Goode suite pre-match. We had some really good guests, actually. Oh. Well, we had David Flatman came up, did a Q&A with Flats. He's good. An old teammate of yours as well, another one. Guess who it was? Give me a couple of hints. Decent bloke? Yes, to me, but I don't think you think so. 
Chris Ashton? No, no, I saw Ashley as well, but not him. <laughs> you played with him at Sarri's. I say you played with him. You played when he was in Dubai. Well, uh, that was George Cruz. Exactly, George Cruz. Who? George Cruz <laughs> yeah, was there? Cruiser was there, yeah, he was asking after you. Mate, what about the size of his smells <laughs> now he's lost all the weight? <laughs> Unbelievable, eh? He looks like Wurzel Gummidge. Yeah, he <laughs> he's lost all that weight. Why are you laughing? Because he does. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was asking after you. But yeah, he, we had George Cruz up there as well. And then the players, I had Dan Cole. Cole, he was asking after you. Was he? No, he wasn't, no. 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 He absolutely no. wasn't. But he was on good form. Yeah, it was great, mate. Honestly, I really enjoyed Saturday. Flats was great. So was George Cruz. Spoke very well, actually. Not about you or Chris Ashton, but he did speak very well in the Q&A. And then let's get to the game because it was interesting pre-match listening to Mark McCall's words. And obviously he was going to be asked around Owen Farrell. Not too much he could say, but he was pretty clear in how he talked about Saracens that they are going through a transition. There's obviously rumours of Billy Vanapola leaving, Mako Vanapola. I know Jamie George and Marov re-signed, but the big news around Farrell. And he didn't admit that those players are leaving, but he kind of hinted that that was something that's going to happen. And ultimately, evolution is going to happen at some point because they're getting older and they are brilliant players that are going to come to the end of their career at some point. But uh, you look at the game and Leicester needed to win. The desperation from Leicester, because of the start of the season that they had when they were so affected by the World Cup, Dan McKellar, new coach, has come in. They took a bit of time to adjust and all that stuff, but they've gone back to their DNA. The scrummaging and the physicality was proper old-school Leicester. Saracens had a bit of a mixed team. I was surprised they rested Jamie George. I don't know whether that was something to do with the England resting periods that they have to have as part of their contracts. Alex Gouda was rested as well. But obviously Faz played, some other big names played. Elliot Daly played well. Marrow played. Talk about second rows. Ollie Chesham and George Martin absolutely schooled Marrow and Hugh Tizard. The discipline of the Saracens team was poor. 15 penalties. And they got monstered at scrum time. Poor Christian Judge. And Dan Cole wasn't even playing. But their front row got monstered, didn't they? Absolutely obliterated. And this is what I mean. You look at Saracen's team. So look at the front row. Sam Crean. I don't want to be horrible. He's not a big name, is he? So you're going down to Welford Road. Mattioli Woods, Welford Road. Mr. Mattioli was there. Piffoletti. Yeah. A hooker, he goes off. So he looks like he's a long-term injury. Christian Judge will be the judge of that. Well, he got absolutely horse in the scrum. And I know we were talking up Juan Martin Gonzalez. Since we talked him up, we haven't seen much of him. And Marrow, disciplined, poor again. Ben Earl back from injury. Gareth Simpson, again, name's not rolling off the tongue, is it? So Sinti has been okay when he's played for Saracens. Nick Tompkins, still very good. Elliot Daly. Games at Leicester are won and lost by your type five. Still, and I think genuinely, you know, get which the front is foot. great. That is what you want from Leicester. Yeah. Now, Borthwick put that in, and you're 100 percent right. So they have gone back to that. I say gone back to it. I don't think it's ever left them. In reality, that's their. Oh, that's it the, has. Well, you go. It's the club's DNA, isn't it? And they went through a period... Yeah, so when Geordie was there, that's where we said Coley was retiring. I said Coley needs to retire. <laughs> that's why he's still not talking to me. Because I said it back then. He was great on the Q&A with me. And no, he weren't. I promise no, you, he weren't. I promise you, I'm what? telling you now, Dan Cole... What's he saying on the Q&A? What did he say? Uh, he was chatting about Christmas and Christmas presents. He was actually really what entertaining. Banter? Yeah. But he, he, was, he was quite entertaining. And he did tell me, he said, mate, if Steve still wants to pick me, I'm taking those 25 bags a game. Of course he is. <laughs> he's not retiring, so I stuck it on him. And he's like, no, I'm not retiring from England because if Steve picks me, it's 25 bags a game. 
So, well, uh, that's what I mean. All right. Well, even without England tight Ed Coley, then you look at that Saracens team that I've just named. They're a team that are, ah, Mark is 100% right. Not that we're ever going to dis- disagree with him. It's almost an unrecognizable team. So he actually said, didn't he, about the players like that will potentially be leaving at the end of the year. And we could talk about some of the high profile names, the ones that we've spoken about for years. Jamie George will be definitely be there for the next World Cup cycle. Yeah. You've got the likes of Mara Toji who are going to be there. Ben Earl who are going to be there. Theo McFarlane hasn't really been the same since he's come back from his injury. He was very good at the World Cup. But Billy Vanapola, I don't know whether he'll be there next season. I mentioned his brother Mako as well. They're going to be unrecognisable. They go, it's crazy. It's amazing. When you oh, here he goes. When you stick to the salary cap, what happens? <laughs> like You think of here he is. going back to the salary cap things when if Mara and Crusoe didn't play, it was you and Will Skelton. I mean, and this is the difference now, right? You stick to the salary cap. If you didn't have your big players, they didn't have Mako, they didn't have Billy, you know, they didn't have Alex Good at fullback, so they got Dolly Parton playing there. I mean, it's all very good and well, but when <laughs> don't you don't be horrible to Tom Parton by calling him Dolly, Dolly Parton. <laughs> I'm not, hey, I like him. Unless we've got a player called Dolly. What's Dolly's name again? Nick Dolly. Nick Dolly. Nick Dolly. Is he back fit yet or uh, not? Nearly, yeah, nearly back. Nearly back. But yeah, listen, it is the squad depth and you know, it's the natural thing around sport, isn't it? You have years of dominance. Look at Exeter. They had loads of players leave, didn't they? The Chief Chief Chiefs. A massive chunk of their success gone out the door, yet they're still doing well with younger guys that have to regenerate. And it's the natural thing of sport. Saracens will have to do that. They have got some good young players, but we've still, as fans, got in our mind that this Saracens team is tip-top when everyone plays, and it is. But because they haven't got the squad depth that they used to have through you know, by hook or by crook, the next level of player isn't anywhere near the levels before. Think back to the days when they had John Schmidt, Shout Brits and Jamie George as the three hookers. Like, come on. You had Elliot Daly, Liam Williams Cheap. and Alex Gould as three fullbacks. Hey, like, just wanted but... to be there. <laughs> Cheap players that just want to be there. But so, the, you know, right, as you mentioned the front row there, so I'll, I'll finish this off with Saracens. Like, probably being a bit harsh when I'm naming some of the players that are maybe not in the form that they were in. Yeah. But that's true when I watch them. Big issue, not just Saracens. In Scotland, we're going to have this big issue as well. But I think across the globe in rugby, front rowers, yeah. your loose heads and your tight heads, they are gold dust. You remember back in the day where Julian White was the highest paid player in the Premiership and he yeah. couldn't catch a rugby ball? <laughs> I think we're getting to this point now where tight heads and loose heads are absolute gold dust. Where are yeah. they? Yeah. Where are they? Well, that's the thing. Like, they're nowhere to be seen. And Saracens are really, really struggling. Like, Marco Riccioni's injured yeah. as well. So, it was almost dangerous at the weekend against Leicester. Right, we're going to move on because Rob wants to talk about Newcastle nearly beating Harlequins, but we're not going to talk about that one. We're going to talk about Northampton, Andrew. So, Northampton were 26-0 done at Sandy Park, yeah. thinking you're going to, they're going to get 60 points put on them. Yeah. How have they won that? Yeah, 20 odd minutes in. And you've got to credit both teams. If you watch it, it was an amazing game of rugby. You know, to score four tries really quickly for Exeter. The physicality they started off with. Vermeulen was big. He got a couple. Henry Slade's bit of skill. It came from a Northampton era. Odendale. Advantage. Yeah. Well, he flicks it around the back door. Just watch that bit of skill. Brilliant. And then Harvey Skinner gets the ball. It's a 2v2. He sees... Emmanuel Feywaboso, England's Feywaboso. Come on, England. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. On the wing. And he just floats a bounce ball over the top, going, go and get that, son. Go and score in the corner. And he did. An extra on fire. They've been brilliant in the Premiership this year, starting games like an absolute train. And 
Northampton could have gone into their shells, could have just said, right, let's batten down the hatches, let's not try and take 50 here. 26-0 down. They scored two quick tries before half-time. Lovely cross-field kick from Hutchinson, puts them in space. They go on to score from that. Slight home was on fire. And then they bought some power off the bench as well, some of their big players. So Mitchell comes on and just, he's playing the best rugby I've ever seen. Show and go, show and go. That's when you know a nine's on form, right? Yeah. I know as as easy it is to say. How often do you see show and goes? We've seen Danny Care when he's on fire. He's yeah. still got a show and go. As a defender, you should never get done on a show and go. Well, this but is the thing. If the nine's on fire, then you say this. He's on fire. I did think about you sat in your sun lounger because you'd have moved as quick as Painter did. So his old teammate Painter's left Northampton, gone out to Exeter. He's the size of a house. That fella, brilliant in the scrum, can carry well. He's a big, big man. But I think he was blowing out his hoop at this point because Mitchell just... I think he was painting his own ass, was he? <laughs> to, like, as in, paintbrush in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Painting his arse. Yeah. And Mitchell goes on the short side, sees him there. The poor bloke can't move. And I thought Jim Hamilton used to run like that or stand still yeah. in a defensive line. And they just found edges. They they used... Sam Vesti's attacks really clever. They used players coming out of shadows. Exeter's blitz has been really good this year, their defence, their physicality, but getting off the line and shutting plays down. And Saints kept the width. The crossfield kicks were on, but also having runners off shoulders coming out the shadows where blitz and spot defenders can't see them was outstanding attack. So it was enthralling, brilliant. How Saints came back, I've got no idea. They nearly lost it again. And credit to Exeter as well. When they scored the try to go back ahead, the offload in... Tuima starts it off to Fissalau. Fissalau gets an offload on the outside to Cairns as well. Cairns then flicks it back to Tuima. It was ridiculous. So the skill level, and I'm thinking, oh, I didn't retire that long ago, but second rows and props and different players couldn't handle like that when I played. I go back to you, Jim. You're my barometer of skillful forwards. No, no I shouldn't be, actually. No. shouldn't use you, but it was class. And the game itself was a brilliant spectacle. Sandy Park was full and... Northampton showed that they are a team to be reckoned with this year because not only can they come back from 26-0 down, I think it's the second biggest ever comeback in the Prem and they can score tries of fun as well. Slight home, out this world good as well. He was unreal. But Andrew, Exeter have got a superstar. I'm telling you now, I am calling it right now. What's the date? The 8th of January, 2024. Emmanuel Feyerwabolso is going to take the rugby world by storm. Yeah, I, I don't want to put too much pressure. I, I ain't seen athleticism like that since since you played for Newcastle and you got the cigarette <laughs> in your mouth and the memes were going around. <laughs> Mate, I um I did the first game of the season. Exeter played Saracens at their place, and I'm thinking, few young kids. I, I looked at my notes and I'm like, Faye Wabosso, never heard of him. Let's have a look. He's a student at Exeter stud- studying medicine. I'm like, I you know he just be he's just there for a game, isn't he? My God, that boy has power, pace, footwork. Ridiculous. Like, absolutely ridiculous. That's the thing. He is like, when you look at an an all-black, that kind of Rico Ioane, Caleb Clark, when they were running around, Surveyor, them kind of moments in games where you're like, wow. And you're watching that. Like, the players that you're playing against are top-level Premiership international players and sitting them down everywhere. Even that finish, right? Yeah, you're right. The Superman finish, but it's the sitting them down. Was it Bristol's the other week where he's literally running through Lua a 55 year old Stephen Luatua? Yeah, absolute blitzer. <laughs> yeah, so he's going to be a force of nature. I don't want to put too much pressure on the kid, but it looks like he's sworn his allegiance 
to the Borthwick, to the Stephen Borthwick. He just wants to get, he wants 25 bags uh, a game. Uh, he wants to chase box kicks. Um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I, listen, I, I listened to his interview and he's got a proper Welsh accent as well. Mm. The only thing he's got to do is work on his accent and he'll be the perfect player for England. Word is that he's going to be in the squad that's announced next week, but I do hope he gets opportunities because it, it is a big chance for Steve Borthwick to pick these young lads on form and say, they are lads, I'm chucking the box kicks out the door. They're gone. Let's play some ruggers. And he'll be a superstar. Superstar. I've called it. Bristol's going up to sale and taking away their unbeaten record at the Salford City Stadium. Didn't see it coming. No, they haven't lost there in the Prem since October 22. So, sale have been outstanding. So, uh, below par. But fair play to Bristol's. They're still in the mix, aren't they? They're still in the mix. They are still in the mix. And that's the thing. When you look at the Prem now, how open it is... And the sprint. I prefer this format. Obviously, I wish there was more teams involved, but the jeopardy on every game and the fact that you can't even call it. If you would have said to me, Jim, put your house on the game, Bristol versus Sale, I'd be like, Sale, easy at home, easy win. Bristol running hot and cold. But fair play. It just shows quality that they've got. They were good. Max Malin's got his nose smashed to bits in about the 20th minute. If that's me, or if that's a lot of blokes... They're walking straight off the field going, I can't. My nose is halfway across my face. He carries on, plays exceptionally well, scores. Randall played pretty well, I thought, as well. Sale were lacklustre, and I think that will hurt Alex Anderson massively because he he prides himself and his team on the fight, the northern grit, commitment to everything and being at it week in, week out. But AJ McGinty went back to his old club, did pretty well. So Bristol are in the mix. Like, it's the Prem, and you said it then, how tight it is and how the jeopardy on every game. Bristol very similar to Leicester having to beat Saracens, had to go to Sale to stay tight in the mix. A lot of these teams are going to beat each other in this run-in, and Bristol did a hell of a job taking away Sale's unbeaten home record since October 22 in the Prem, James. I will say one thing, though. Champions Cup, Sale having to travel down to South Africa to play the Stormers. They flew business class, though. They're fine. Doesn't matter. (laughs) In your mind, you're thinking, I'm going to the other side of the world in the sun. And we've seen that across a few games. Yeah. Like we have. You have to say that. The champion like putting that in with how busy it's been back and forward anyway. That's the one excuse for my Alex Anderson team not performing. Not Sale being my team, but Alex Anderson's my guy. Yeah, they're still in a good spot though, so they'll be all right, so. Andrew, last game. I don't even want to talk about them, so can you be quick on this one? Bath versus Gloucester. Gloucester we. I'm gonna say we are struggling. I'm commentating the weekend actually on them against hashtag always Edinburgh on Saturday night. I don't even know where they go. They need to win. Basically, they need to win. Bath were in second, third gear and just there to kick the balls because they've got a massive game against Racing on Sunday. Yeah. But Gloucester, they look better with Zach Mercer at eight. Zach played really well, yeah, actually. Alamano carried well. And actually, I think Gloucester were a bit unlucky. They had opportunities to win it. They just weren't clinical enough. And Bath took their opportunities. The clip that's going around on social media about the kick-in, that's a law that we can get into on another podcast that needs to change. But Gloucester were a lot better than they have been. Physical, held them up over the line a few times, driving more, they were physical. So we have to give credit where it's due. But from the outside, like the shed webs or the shed heads or whoever's looking at it from the shed, they're calling for George Skivington's head. I just think it's early days. You look at the profile of the two games, you look on paper, Bath are miles better. Miles better. Redpath in the centre, Ollie Lawrence at 13. Again, Joe Thock and a singer on the wing. Just to name a few. Yeah. Finn Russell versus Hastings. And I completely agree with you. Gloucester are getting a lot better. They're, they've been unlucky. Sometimes you win games when you're on that roll 
with momentum, you win these tight games. And unfortunately for Gloucester, they're on this losing run. They're competitive in the games. They could have gone and beaten Bath on their own patch. They didn't. Yeah, they've gone away with a losing bonus point. I, I think it's ridiculous to call for George Skivington's head at the minute. It's been tough. They're going to finish towards the bottom of the league, but there are some decent things happening there. Yeah, Zach Mercer played pretty well, I thought. Yeah, they've signed Thomas Williams next year as well. So there are some good things that are going to come. Charlie Atkinson. Yeah, it's just an unfortunate time. They're just getting on the wrong end of some tight results. And unfortunately, that's the brutality of the Prem. So we could have a chat now with a man who has basically propelled Saints to have one of the best defences in the Premiership now. He won't probably want to talk about himself too much, but we are going to talk about him. Lee Radford joins us. How are you, pal? I'm very good, mate. I'm very good. Thank you for having me. Jack, our media man, tells me this is the initiation into Rugby Union, so... (laughs) Hey, Lee, no, this isn't the initiation. If you're at Northampton, the initiation is the all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet there and you've got to spend three hours eating as much as you can. Have you been there yet? Have you you had any time to go there? I will be soon. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But how are you enjoying it? I mean, from the outside looking in, Northampton look like they're flying and part of that has been in the defence physicality, the stuff that they've needed to work on. It's been made public last year and the year before of the work-ons. It was obvious. You've come in, you've shored that up. How good has it been? Yeah, not really good. I, th- I think you just said it there. I think it's been spoken about previously. I think I think that was part of the sell. I think they was fully aware of that and you know where they needed to make that transition. And I think it's a real credit to the players, the playing group, you know, how well they've gone after it. It's funny, I obviously coming from league, our early part of pre-season was very physical in terms of contact and the wrestle sessions, the combat sessions. I didn't see any difference in intent or, or physicality between, you know, the cords and I didn't know what to expect coming in. Obviously, you know, you see the score lines and, the, you know, what's gone on in previous years. So that was, that was you know, pleasantly surprising as well. Mate, we're going to come back and talk about Saints in a minute. I want to talk to you. You mentioned League then about you and your career. Starting off making your debut at 16, obviously known as one of the toughest blokes to have played the game. But I need to ask you about your loyalties, really, because you're a bit of a Hull FC legend from everything that you won. You know, you won Super League and everything that goes with it, World Club Championship, etc., etc. But you should have played for Old Kingston Rovers, shouldn't you? I should have. I should have. I'm a red and white, so I am a Robin, so... When I signed, that's I think I signed at fifteen. The Hulk I didn't have an academy at that point, so I had to go over to the dark side. Unfortunately. <laughs> and then obviously I had a twenty-year playing career there, coaching career. So I just get shit either side of the city. So we lost. <laughs> I'd get it from my own fans in Hull, and if we won, I'd get it from the Hulk KR fans as well. So you know, you need a tough edge to be around that neck of the woods. I think. Tough Edge is the one. I used to watch it back in the day, boots and all, Friday nights under the lights and stuff like that. I don't watch it as much now, like we're busy doing what we're doing as well. But they were the glory days of rugby league, right? And you talk about Kevin Sinfield, Sean Edwards, maybe just the generation before. I don't know whether yours crossed over, but he looks like he's about 75. (laughs) Tough paper out. But Big Faz as well, like there's some absolute legends that are actually now crossing over very successfully into Union. What is it about that kind of generation that you were in? I don't know. I don't know. I've obviously been asked, you know, obviously the, the success they've had as well. Why is it? And and why is it not gone the other way as well? Because I, I think mm. there is some things we do in Rugby Union that's very transferable as well into league. I think it's a financial thing. I don't think there's any money in the game to, to bring them over. So I honestly don't. I, I believe the fact there's 13 players on the field in league. I, I know two players don't sound a lot, but you know yourself when you're down to 13 blocks, you, you're scrambling. You know, the base you have to defend is, is bigger and it's difficult. So... I think the fact that 
if you can imagine on a, on a rugby field, there's 13 blocks, there's two blocks at mark end, there's one block in backfield. So there's always 10 in the defensive line. You get a black late from the rook. You know, you've got four blocks defending 50% of the field, which is difficult. So I think coaching that and being used to that, I think, you know, maybe some of those movement drills and, and things that I've come across, I, I think, you know, rugby probably has seen the benefit of that down the line. Yeah, 100%. Now, one of the things we've talked about on here is we love Northerners. We've got some big mates of ours are Northerners. They seem to come in rugby union, whether whatever their background is, and they do well. And they're salt-the-earth people. Do you reckon, you mentioned some names then, Sean Edwards, Kevin Sinfield. It should be Sir Kevin Sinfield, by the way, in my opinion. Andy Farrell. They've all got deep Northern accents. Do you reckon your accent actually helps you know, get people off the deck and making tackles for you? Because I'd play for anyone with a Northern accent. <laughs> I'd play for anybody with, with Scottish accent. So when you listen to the old Scottish managers, you know, your Ferguson's, your, for whatever reason, they always came across better than an Arsene Wenger. Yeah. I don't know. Just too posh. Yeah, I'd go to war with Fergie. I don't think I'd get in the trenches with, with Wenger for whatever reason. So, yeah, there might be something in it. There might be something in that. Yeah, and just with that, we were talking about Owen Farrell, big in the news, obviously a northerner, big Andy's son. I'd love to see him rugby league. As in dream scenario for me as a fan, you talked about that crossover and we've had a few come over from league to union. And like you said, both as coaches and as players, you don't see them going back the way. How good would it be to see Owen Farrell playing for Wigan? Can you imagine? Or even in the NRL, fuck it. Yeah, yeah that'd be that'd be a, an unbelievable boost for the game. Again, financially, I don't think we'd get anywhere near that. The NRL, possibly, possibly. But, you know, like his dad, you know, I was fortunate enough to play with and against his daddy, tough man. Character he brings is is second to none. What he brings in the changing rooms, obviously phenomenal. I, I think that'd be a, a really smooth transition as a ball playing thirteen. I think he'd um, I think he'd kill it. Let's put it out there. Let's try and get a headline out of this because like I think no one's having that conversation, are they? No one's talking about getting Owen Farrell over to league. We're going to do about the Robins. Get him to Rovers. <laughs> you just said there's no money in it. Hold on, you just said there's no <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't need the money. No, exactly. I think he's doing all right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is obviously why, why Northampton? You know, you had offers, I think, when I was looking into it from the NRL and Jim mentioned the all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet you've not even found yet. But <laughs> what was the drag to Northampton? Because it is a, a, a difference for you. You were head coach in, in league and all that stuff, but you've had a massive impact and I just wondered what the motivations were. Yeah, some circumstances. I, I obviously had seven years coaching at, at Hull yeah. as a, an equivalent to a DOI in, in what in rugby union. I then had 12, 14 months at, at Castleford, and during that period, during, in the preseason, I, I was Samoa's defence coach in the World Cup, and had a fantastic campaign. Managed to get to the final, and really enjoyed the assistant role. Going back, taking a step back, and not dealing with players' wives who are happy and not dealing with... Oh, don't go there. Happy. Don't go there. With yeah, yeah, yeah. So apologies, <laughs> yeah. Um, all the... The uh, drama. Well, yeah, all what comes with, you know, you're not doing what you started doing. You enjoyed coaching. You enjoyed seeing blocks getting better and you having an influence on that. And I really enjoyed that with Samoa. And then, obviously, speaking to them boys, obviously coming over from the NRL and the luxuries that them men have, I suppose. I wanted to crack over there. So I got to an agent, got on a flight to Australia, had three weeks out there. And during that period, Northampton got got in touch. And, you know, the more I watched and the more digging I, I did, I, I loved the way they play with the ball. You know, I'm a, I'm a rugby nose. I, I love love sevens, love nines, love tens, love, you know, love the 13-man code. So that was an appeal. And just the challenge of being... You know, trying to have an influence on the defence as well, I think, was was important for me as well. So, you know, it's, it's turned out the right decision, you know, really enjoying what I'm doing and 
surrounded by good people as well. One of the differences when I watch only based on this, on the state of origin, but rugby league and rugby union and the big shift in union around tackle height, right? Yeah. In league, they're still tackling high. As a coach coming in, and I know it's more than just the tackling because the players can tackle, it's more about systems when you get to the level that you're coaching at. But how have you found that transition from that height in tackling? Yeah, so there's a story to it. So last, last season, a bit like every every competition does for six rounds, they went really heavy on any contact to the head. Yeah. And I mean, sort of glancing, brushing somebody's forehead. It was, you was going off and getting 10 minutes. So in rugby league, they, they really came up, but they only policed it for six rounds because pretty much the public said, this is pathetic. We're going we're gonna to turn off unless, unless there's changes. And then I think, I think when it first, you know, the concussion stuff first flipped, you know, started to rear its head, I think, there was a spike in that in Union as well. I thought the World Cup was was pretty heavy on on it. I just think there's some been some real common sense decisions made this this season. I think Hutch's yeah. at, at weekend, you know, their six is carrying the ball. He's, he's twelve. His head's twelve inches off the floor. There's going to be contact there somewhere. You know, it's, I think the irony is all the way up the field that you touch someone said you're having ten minutes in the bin. Yeah, on trial land, you can run with your head, and you can also hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like you couldn't, you couldn't make that up. So, I get the concussion stuff. You know, I have sympathy for all that. I'm probably going to suffer for it myself at some point. I've no doubt about that. But I still don't want it to be detrimental to the game. You know, I love and love to watch and the physicality. The reason you started playing because it differs from other sports. You 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 want to belt people. And you want to see people getting belted. You just mentioned the origin. That is why that game is is right at the top of the rugby league calendar. And with that mindset, how's your terminology as a hard northerner who's now coaching these younger athletes that are coming through where there is this caution? Yeah, I, I think all you can go after is, is technique. You know, the better your technique is, the less likely you are to cop a knock. So I think the harder you drive, your actual approach into contact, your body height, your dropping of your body height, the more benefits you're going to have or less head contacts you're going to have. Inevitably, you're going to have, you're going to get whiplash at some point. Somebody gets a good shot and you're going to get whiplash at some point. That is, that's to get, you know, you, you can't go into a boxing ring and not expect to get punched. That is, again, that's why you jump into a ring remarkably to get punched and to punch people. So I think it's, it's inevitable it's going to happen. But I think the harder we can teach good technique, the better and promote good technique, you know, rather than finding every other reason to change a rule in the game to, to change the game that we love. On that technique part now, obviously with Jim Hamilton doing the pod, he's six foot nine when he's got his heels on. He's got a back stiffer than a... a, a back stiffer than a wooden door um, but I'm sat there going you've got all sorts of different sizes of players we've seen Courtney Laws who you're coaching at the minute he tackles unbelievably well low he's never had a problem with it but there's some big lads that actually struggle to bend over and tackle right Yeah, just the mechanics of it you've got bigger guys like Alex Coles and these guys how do you manage that kind of technique wise and change it for different players because it's really interesting that some players can bend over and some can't so someone's going to be fucked because of it and I think that's what's differed you know forever and a day you've always practiced hitting with a ball of your shoulder and drilling that into someone's chest cavity but it's I think the catch tackle is becoming more prominent and relevant and probably, you know, if you're catching sort of chest on, a little bit more chest on for those big blokes, for a bloke who's ducking at the line, I think that reduces chances of, of actually having a head knock. You know, chest to head is not, is not a 10-minute offence. It's not sending off offences. It's part and parcel of the game. So I, th- I think that is where the tackle sort of technique becomes, again, it's a little bit safer. You, you're still making a collision. Hopefully somebody can still come in and have an impact under the ball. 
But for those six foot seven, six foot eight blocks, I think that's an easier approach into contact than than having to bend the backs. Jim couldn't catch, so he couldn't catch tackle then. So. <laughs> I had a career like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the polar opposite with Courtney Laws, right? So just a word on him, how good he's been, how impressed. And you get these aging athletes, right? Retire from England. All right, I'll just go through the motions. Complete opposite with him, right? Yeah. So there's a, there's a chap in, you, you probably know him, Gareth Ellis in, in rugby league. I had the pleasure of coaching Gaz. Gaz went over to the NRL, absolutely killed it for two or three years over there. Great Britain international legend. Courtney reminds me so much of him. His presence doesn't say an awful lot, but when he speaks, people listen. And on the field, he just manages, you know, he looks gone. He looks, he looks like he's done, he's cooked. And he just somehow manages to find something from somewhere. Uh, and if you press pause on any Northampton land break conceded, he was within 10 metres of that, you know, that land break and not, not, not letting them through, but actually chasing them. And I think that is, um, you know, that's a war of attrition. That's, there's not many people with them minerals and, and that's probably why, you know, they're as respected as they are, I suppose. 100%. Now, let's talk about Saints then. Obviously, you've had a massive impact at the start of the season. Just give me your thoughts at 22 minutes in at the weekend when you're 26-0 down. And I'm watching the game thinking, what the fuck has gone on here? But uh, as a defensive coach, it's your worst nightmare, isn't it? Sure, yeah, really bad. I think I had my face sort of semi-blow up at, at weekend. I think you've only got two or three uh, in a season and I think I used quarter of mine <laughs> on, on Saturday afternoon. So. Um, yeah, it, it's ironic. We we spoke about their start. They, you know, they score more tries in the first ten minutes than in, any other team in the comp. So, with that compacted with their home record, it wasn't a surprise how they came out the blocks. What what did surprise me was how sluggish we was. And, and ironically, we've you know we've gone into detail and depth about that today. And hopefully, we we don't see that again. But we you know we want to be involved in in big games come the end of the year. And I think the game against Sale. Obviously, the game on Saturday, a great prep for that. You know, two top-of-the-table sides going at it, big atmosphere. Yeah, the more of them pre-runs you can have, I think the better sorted you're going to be at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's been a tough start for everyone with the amount of games. And I think trying to get that level up every week and then you go into the Champions Cup and you've got to get that level again. I mean, if you watch Bath Gloucester, it was exactly the same. The, the energy wasn't what you'd think in a West Country derby. Saracens were way off it against Leicester. How tough has this block been? But how important is it for you to be in this block and be in it at the business end of the season? Obviously, right? Yeah, huge. That's one thing I've been really impressed with with the, like the Premiership, like the closeness of the games. You know, the amount of games we've been involved in where it's gone down to the, the 75th minute. You know, ironically, it went down to the 83rd, I think, on on Saturday. But the closeness of the of the games and the closeness of the competition are one thing that, you know, if you're a supporter, you've got to be excited about that. I think that's one thing where Super League has dropped off. You know, in these last couple of years, there's so many blowout scores in that mid mid part of the season. I think it's a credit to the competition squads that these games are still healthy. I don't know whether the unfortunately the demise of a couple of teams has had an effect on on that and maybe ficking some squads up. I'd love to blow a team away every now and then and just sit back for the last 40 minutes but I'm loving the excitement of not knowing which way a game's going to go Yeah I bet it was a good bus journey home on the way back from Exeter at the weekend Was well, Sam Vesti usually led the charge on the naked bus he wasn't doing that again was yeah, he? Yeah well, no, he, he had his clothes on he had his clothes on he, <laughs> he bounced between he can't sit still Sam as, as I'm sure you're aware yeah. the ADHD kicks in and he bounces between every seat on the bus including the drivers <laughs> yeah, well, um, he had a kid when he was sixteen. That's why. So he's looking for a blowout now. I think. I think his eldest is about twenty-nine now. 
How's it been working with them young lads? I don't know what the profile of the coaches is in rugby league. My thought is they're slightly older, but you look at like George Givington at Gloucester, for example, you're looking at Douse at Northampton. They're just two young coaches. You could go through the league, but they are younger now than they were. How's that been working with younger coaches? I think I'm the oldest. I think I'm 44. I think I'm the oldest. I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to jump the gun and say, (laughs) how's it feel being the older statesman? That's That's what I do as a coach, try and get the answer out of them without them actually. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's been really good. I am kidding. They're They're a fantastic coaching staff. Get the points across really articulately, very detailed. And I think you know, one thing, you know, I can say I'm not out, I want to come in and get better every day. And I think when you when you marry that up with a with a young group that is of the same, you know, mindset, I think um hence the reason we've probably had the, the start to the year that that we've had. hundred percent. As Sam Vesti mentioned what his nickname was at Leicester, we played with him for years at the club together. Not, I cannot wait to, to hear this. Jim, you're gonna go with it or shall I? The bogey monster. Well, I was going to say Knob Cheese was his nickname, but there we go. Oh, so, okay, so. yeah, I, yeah. There was a couple. But yeah, he, I, I Knob Cheese, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's an order in you, exactly. The further south you go, you can't say them things. But he got caught on TV, yeah. Lee. I don't know if you saw it when you were doing your prep on Northampton. I'm sure he did. He got caught picking his nose and eating it, but he was nervous. Right, right. Immune system's bulletproof. Yeah, so yeah. it was a German manager who was to sniff his ass, wasn't it? That it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it yeah was. Yeah. yeah, everyone likes their own smell of their own musk, don't they? Yeah. You can't get away from that. So just call Sam Vesti knob cheese from now on. It'll be fine. It 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 will go down well. Uh, it sounds Go like, back to business, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. Back to business, mate. It, it sounds like a bit of an obvious question, and it probably is actually. But you're you know top of the prem at the minute. You're flying high in Investec Champions Cup as well. What what's the chat like around the club within the coaches within the players? Because you want to be in the big games. You said it yourself just before. Are the goals around trying to win a trophy, or you know is that just an obvious thing that because you are where you are, that's what you want to do? Yeah, I, I think obviously last last season's disappointment. The, the performance at Saris was disappointing. I think I, I think the fact they went put themselves on the on the map and didn't quite deliver that day. They I got stitched up by the ref though. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. If you asked how did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you couldn't almost sense that bit of taste in the mouth during pre-season. And I think that's been a good thing. I think that's been a good thing to drive some some standards and some of the early meetings we had in pre-season. It was obviously, you know, really highlighted. So, no, they've been, they've been good. They've been really, really good. They're a keen bunch, really good age. You know, they're on the field a lot as well. You know, the... I've coached teams where, you know, your average age is 28, 29, and to do a double day is, is difficult for some of them. We have none of that. They're, you know, you're having to pull them off, not literally pull them off. Oh, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> you know, drag them off the field. <laughs> Perfect. And last thing then, uh, have you used the phrase sudden softy since you've been down at Northampton to anyone? Can't call them soft now. Can't call people soft. <laughs> oh, it's their feelings. Yeah, I've, just, I've just done my online course, actually, haven't Etiquette around the office, so yeah, no, I'm not mentioning that to anybody. <laughs> call it Sam Vesti. We'll yeah. call him the Southern Softy then. There you go. Bob <laughs> <laughs> Cheese. Bob <Love> Cheese. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Perfect. He'll love that. Mate, it's awesome to see Northampton flying and like we're Leicester boys as well, but to see Northampton flying, it's it's awesome to see. I think it's huge for the, the Prem and going into the Champions Cup. Great stuff. Thanks for having me, fellas. Top stuff. Thanks for coming on, mate. Good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you very much. Not too much luck against Leicester though. <laughs> Top bloke. Top lad. Yeah, mate. What a bloke. Oh, loose. Yeah, loose bloke. Oh, loose. I mean, like you play from, I'm sat there listening to him and you can see why Northampton have improved that side of the game. Their attacking game's always been great over the last however many years, but my God, you'd play for that bloke every day of the week. You can have you? all the technique in the world, right? And there is the, the obvious thing and we can get all fanboy over guests that come on. 
But exactly what you've just said then, Goody, the tone of voice, you can put all the systems you want in place. You can do all the diagrams, Andy Robinson, on the board that you want, mate. And you can talk about <laughs> offloading. Rugby's a physical game, right? And when you've got people like Lee, who've grown up on the estates and stuff like that, yeah, that's what you want, right? That is what you'll play for. And Northampton, the one thing that they did have was a soft underbelly. Yeah. Yes, they played the attacking style of rugby. They looked brilliant. But we know, and we've been in teams before, great teams, to win games and to win tournaments and to win championships and to be seen as a team that you fear, it starts in defence. Yeah. And like you just want to fucking swear when he's on, don't you? You just want to start swearing. Get- I, I didn't do my northern accent. I wasn't honest enough to go fucking smash him. How many times you he said, said that? it? I think he said it. He, he did say once. Just want to get. <laughs> yeah, what a bloke though. I mean, what an era. Could you imagine the stories? Like they. I mean, especially now. This is you talk about being honest. Yeah. Like now. They ain't doing it after the stories, are they? No, well, I reckon they've got some stories. But yeah, those boys off the pitch, on the pitch. Well, we can't talk about off the pitch at Castleford, can we? Down alleys, but there we go. I'd love to see Rugby League get to that level again. And that's why, I, when I mentioned about Owen Farrell, that would shift the dial. to You know, just to bring a bit of profile. I remember chatting to an interview with Sam Tompkins about it, and you can see the pull to the NRL because there's the oh, glitz and the glamour. And the cash there. The whole gladiatorial thing. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Russell NRL Crow. was the biggest game in Australia. Which is wicked. Like, State of Origin as well is phenomenal. But the them lads, like, you remember when Great Britain used to play, the, the teams that come over, like Australia, Australia and, yeah. and that, in, in the World Cup, it was unbelievable. And it just, it's awesome for us in Union that they've now come across and we're bearing the fruits of rugby league's labour in developing them but you think about the names that he's just mentioned yeah we got some of the best we got some of the greatest rugby league players in the world ever to have walked the planet in rugby union right here with us it's class now you mentioned it the big thing about rugby union they have to look at rugby league and learn from it because look at the game now compared to where it was in rugby league and that's the big worry for rugby union of overspending and all that stuff we go on about it on here our game continues and has to grow and we've got to find investment and all that stuff to keep it at the level it's at because as you said league's died a bit hasn't it so with that union needs to keep its foot on the gas but also sustainably so that the game doesn't die and lee mentioned it didn't he about losing three clubs and now the squads have got stronger that's why the premiership and we go back to what we said at the start has got to be integral to english rugby to keep it strong and a, a viable big competition so we don't have people leaving as much as uh, they are at the minute. But aside from the players leaving, and I know there's been a big noise about it on social media, the crowds over Christmas, New Year, I, I know I keep saying summer rugby, which I still agree with, not necessarily summer, but spring. But the crowds, the attendances, not just in the English Premiership, but in the URC, and we know the top 14. So I feel as if now, this is without even looking at the books, this is a very superficial comment, that we are now through that kind of decline and that dip that we have, it feels like we're slightly settled. Andrew, you are now biting your moustache, which yeah. is under your chin. Yes. So uh, what are you hearing? What have you heard? Listen, I hope we are. And it's great. The product on the field is amazing. And the fans through the gate were amazing. The amount of people that watched it on TNT Sports, it was over 2 million watched it. So what's happened? What do you know? Bristol's numbers. Look at Bristol, did their accounts. They lost 5 million quid. So they lost more in the last financial year than they lost... The year before that, so they lost. I think it was something like 1.4 million difference. They've lost more money, uh, and so you put the yeah, salary, you but, put the salary cap up. All right, and this is the thing: we're talking about sustainability and keeping these clubs. And Lee mentioned it then. The, the Premiership is so good at the minute because 
anyone can beat any apart from Newcastle who are shocking. They're doing it differently. Sorry, Rob. But every team can beat every team pretty much on their day. Gloucester can't either at the minute. They're not doing great. But do you know what I mean? You don't want these absolute hockey-ins week in, week out, which we've seen in league, develop into the premiership where you just know it's going to be 40, 50 points. And that's the integrity of the league. That's the strength. That's where squads are at the minute. You put the salary cap up, Bristol happy to lose another 1.4 million. The salary cap's going up by another 28%, back up to 6.4 million, which... Error. I know, but the, the risk of that is clubs run before they can walk again. And that's why at the minute, I think it's... But they don't need to. Go down the Newcastle mould. But then it's not a competitive league when you've got four clubs spending loads more and have got way better squads and then the the product isn't as good on the field. That's my argument around it for keeping it sustainable for the next two or three years and then raising it as the game grows bigger beyond that. Once we get through all this shit. But we're going to lose all the best players like we are. That's where the RFU contracts come in. The hybrids. Well, oh, I said that about 135 episodes ago. What yeah. did I say, Andrew Good? Well, you said central contracts, not hybrids. So there's a big difference. Yeah, I, well, no, that is the term. Basically, they're central contracts. But 136 episodes, what did the great philosopher of rugby say? Well, that's over, that's over three years ago, Jim. So it's a bit What of, did he say? You said central contracts are coming around the corner. It's a fucking long corner, that is. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be coming round the mountain when she comes. Yeah. <laughs> We'll talk about coming around the mountain, Jim. There's been some big changes, and we mentioned England rugby, the central contracts slash hybrid contracts. The RPA, who I've done a lot of work with over the years, at the end of this season will not be representing the England squad anymore because there's a new company in the mix called Team England Rugby Limited who are going to represent the players from the end of the 2024 season and beyond. Also known as Baby Rhino, Jamie George, and who's the other one? Joe Marler, Anthony Watson... Maratoji. Yeah. Five big names within the England squad that are leading the charge in terms of representing themselves with other people. There's some very good people when I've done my research involved in it. Gaia Bissell, who was part of the RPA. She's got a lot of experience in it and they want to manage their own deal effectively. And I don't think, from my understanding, I don't think it's a financial decision because let's be honest, the RPA, and we'll come on to the new company in a minute, the RPA have done an amazing job for England. The rugby players, the deals that have gone on over the years, the representation. They've done it with the best intention, the RPA have. Everything they've done and the people involved, like Hoppers, Christian Day, the people they've had. And you've got to think they were, well, they've been there since 2004. So throughout our whole career, they were there. But I think where the issue comes is the conflict of interest, isn't it? Because they're partly funded by the RFU. So as a player's perspective... And the perception is, is that if that is the case, then how far are they willing to push them on the vulgarities of what people don't like talking about, which is money, right? How much should a player get paid for playing for their country? 99% of fans would say you should do it for free, okay? There's no point in us getting into that. But the RPA having to have them conversations, amongst other conversations on player welfare. And there was a turning point, wasn't there, Goody, around COVID? Yeah. Around the salaries for their clubs, when they were cut 50%, when the salary reductions happened, how they were going to be remunerated after that, how that was going to get back. And that's where you could start to see and hear the cracks were appearing. Like There was a big story around Genji, wasn't there, and Leicester, and how that was all going to get sorted out. And the RPA were having to front that as a union representation or the players' representation, that's where it started to appear that actually there could potentially be a conflict here. So I love the people involved in the RPA, but I actually, sorry, Daisy, Christian Day, 
whether or not the company that's been formed, if you just look at the players' names that are in there, but like you've just alluded to, Goody, there's actually people who know what they're doing in here. There'll be lawyers involved. They would have taken a lot of advice. I think that is the way forward. You need to have 100% separation from the RFU. You can't have the RFU anywhere near it. Otherwise, it's going to be murky waters. Andrew said at the top of the show, and producer Rob is pushing us on this. He wants some predictions for 2024. Who's going to win the Six Nations? The Champions Cup winners, Premiership top four, and overall winner, URC winner, and player of the year. Bloody hell, producer Rob. He wants a lot, he wants doesn't a he? Lot. Let's start off with, he wants it all. Six Nations. I'm going to say, really quickly, I'm going to say France. They play England at home, they play Ireland at home. No DuPont, though. No DuPont, but I don't think there's too many others that are going to go from the World Cup. And, you know, there's a bit of pain there, isn't there? So I think France are in the best position. Scotland have got a sniff. One of the least affected teams post-World Cup. Jim, I'm saying you got a chance. Well, if you're saying we've got a chance, we're fucked. <laughs> if you're saying that. I reckon France as well. I want Scotland to do well. I just think France, I think England are going to do well. Hopefully, Interesting yeah. how Ireland go with no Sexton, no Mac Hansen. Yeah, England's first two games, Italy away, Wales at home. Oh, what are you saying? It could be two from two, lads. Ooh. Hey, we'll come on to that. Can't wait for the Six Nations. So we're both going for France. Correct, correct. Champions Cup winner, Jim, who are you going with? To lose. Yeah, See, exactly. I said it quickly there. Yeah. La Rochelle don't quite look the same, although, although I did see something on Big Willy Lee, Willy Little Willy, Big Willy, Little Willy Skelton. I saw him carving up again at the weekend. Yeah, the problem for La Rochelle is they've got, well, they play Leicester this weekend at home. They've lost their first two games. They've got to win both their games coming up to qualify and hope things go their way. They're going to get an away last 16 game. So I, I, st- I still think La Rochelle are in the mix. The quality of player there, Botti is back, firing shots. They look brilliant. You could probably call it after this weekend. That's yeah. going to be the one without stating the obvious. It's going to be after this weekend, but producer Rob wants blood now. So what are you going for? I'm going to say Toulouse or La Rochelle or Northampton. How about that one? Oh gosh, there you go. Let's get hey, an English club in there just for the crack. Lee Radford. I'm just going to, I'm going to say Toulouse. I've got a feeling Leinster. I don't know why they haven't been amazing, but I've just got a feeling that's a good thing for them. So I'm going to stick with Toulouse. Premiership top four overall winners. I normally smash this segment. Really? Yeah, what do you mean, really? Yeah, genuinely. Yeah, yeah. This is normally where I do really well. Top four is probably the hardest it's ever been, isn't it? Shall I go first? I you reckon go. Northampton win it. It could be a northampton extra final. No, I don't think Exeter get there. I don't think Exeter get there. I think it's going to be a Northampton-Bath final. Oh, And I think Northampton take it. I'd say Northampton today because we had Lee Radford on, but I've got no association apart from smashing Sam Vesti's house to bits when we were younger and <laughs> when he lived in Loughborough. I've never told that. Hey, that's the story for another day. We used to, he basically wanted me and the Kovskins to come around and smash his house up so he could do an insurance job. That's what he said. <laughs> that's a true story. I'd have to go for Bath because Finn Russ was there. I'm, I'm not a massive Bath fan, even though I'm there at the weekend. But I like the way that they're playing. I, lo- I love you and Van Graham. Hold on. We had Van Graham on the other week and you were that- waxing lyrical about him. What a great player. Yeah, because I like him. Yeah. I, yeah, that's why I like who they've got like involved in the club. Andy Robinson's involved there as well, so I could warm to him. Might see him at the weekend. Finn Russell's there. Cam Redpath. I, I thought you hated Andy Robinson. I do. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> as in, if he starts winning, I might be convinced. I'm going to say Bath. All right, let's go for it. As in Premiership top four, let's nail it down. Shall I go first? You go first, Jim. I'm going to go Northampton, Bath, Leicester. Yes. Sale. I don't know if Saracens make it. I can't wow. believe you said it. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I'm going to go top four of Saints, Leicester, 
Saracens, and Bath. Oh, have I left sail out of that? How have I left sail out of that? Mate, you're done now. That's it. Who can I swap? No, you can't swap in. Like, you've gone with your heart and your head in one. Yeah. There you go. Right, let's go URC. So, it's race to eight. <laughs> Sounds better. Benetton a second. They are. They're doing very well this year. Very well indeed. I'd be very surprised if they won it. Right, we're going to nail it down. I think Leinster win it because Munster are current champions, got loads of injuries, nowhere near it. I'd love to say the Drags. I know they got a win against the Scarlets. Actually quite good. Quite enjoyed the game. Yeah. Old school. 13-12, wouldn't it? Out and out winner. I'm going to go Leinster. There you go. They're going to be pissed off getting beat by Ulster at home. Yeah. And that's going to be the catalyst for them to win the URC. They're top of the log, albeit by two points at the minute. You're not going Glasgow or Edinburgh, they're going all right. Glasgow going well. Yeah. Edinburgh, meh. They're all right, they're fifth. Yeah, they're all right. Won, yeah, Edinburgh, won, they're all right. One six, lost three, they're doing all right. Yeah, they're all right, they're all right. They're not They're not quite where they need to be to win it, Andrew, and you know it. Okay. You're just taking the push. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Okay, I'm going to go a final of Leinster against the Stormers. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Leinster are going to lose again. Stormers are going to win it. Stormers to win the URC this year. Right then, lads, should we finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly? Whose voice is that? Good! Whose voice? Rob. Is that Lee Radford back? <laughs> he had to get it in. The boys at Rugby Club love that Rob is doing a bit more on the pod. That a boy. That a boy. It's great to have him on. That is the voice of Rob, our producer from the North. Voice of an angel. The, hey, angel of the North. Angel of the North. There we go. Right, let's start off with the good then. We're going to start off in France, Jim, in the top 14. And Perpignan get a shout in the what good happened? this week. They beat Cast away from home. And they beat Oyanax at home over the festive and New Year periods. They've won two from two over the last few weeks, which has propelled them out of the relegation zone. So give them a shout out, Perpignan. Because that was worrying for Montpellier. I did glance at the top 14 a couple of weeks ago and saw that it was Perpin, Poo and Montpellier at the bottom. Yeah, Montpellier is still down there, but they won at the weekend as well. So uh, they don't get a shout-out, though. Ulster get a shout-out in the good this week. They beat Leinster 22-21 at the RDS on New Year's Day. I know we're going back a little bit, but you've got to shout that game out. Billy Burns was on fire. Talking about games from New Year's Day, the Dragons, they're getting a mention in the good, Jim. I'm giving it to them. They've won a game. They've been in the battle a lot. So when they win, and when they win against one of their Welsh rivals, albeit it's only the Scarlets, they get a shout-out, the Dragons. So big shout-out to the Dragons. La Rochelle, back in the top 14, they get a shout-out in the goo this week. They won away at Poo to move up the table. And they're two from two over the Christmas and New Year period as well. So shout-out to Ron O'Gara and his boys. Leicester Tigers get a shout-out in the goo. They beat Saracens 19-10 to keep in the playoff mix. Ollie Chesham also gets a shout-out, not only for back-to-back Man of the match performances over the last few weeks against Bath and then Saracens, but more importantly, Jim, tell me you saw it. He necked a pint on TNT Sports in his post-match interview. What a ledge! I didn't see it. Yeah, one man of the match. He's doing an interview in one of the bars at Leicester with Craig Doyle. He's got a pint in his hand. Craig Doyle says, "Go on, then see it off," and he does. Bang, chop, done. New Year's Eve. That a boy. That a boy. Happy New Year. Big shout out to Ollie Chesham. Bristol's get a shout in the good this week. They beat Sale away from home, ending their long home and beaten run, which was all the way back to October 22, Jim. So a uh, massive shout-out to Pat Lamb and Bristols. But the goo this week goes to the Northampton Saints. Yes, we might be a bit biased because we've had Lee Radford on, but they were 26-0 down away at Exeter Chief, 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 Chiefs. They get the win. I'm a fanboy. 
Still a fanboy. Rory Hutchinson gets the winner. Always liked him as a player. He had a lovely crossfield kick and scored the winner. But a massive shout-out as well has to go to Ollie Slightholm for his hat-trick. They're top of the Premiership. They've scored more league points in terms of log points in 2023 than any other team. So, Northampton Saints, you get the good this week. The bad, few bits of bad. We'll start off with Saracens. 15 penalties. Discipline was poor and uh, they got bullied a little bit at Matteoli Woods, Welford Road. Newcastle, sorry Rob, they get another mention in the bad. Lost again, played 11, won none, lost 11. This time to Harlequins. Why are you being horrible? I'm sorry, mate, I know, but I've just been honest, mate. 24-3 at home just ain't good enough. One of my old teams, another one of my old teams. Two of my old teams in the bad this week. The Sharks, Jim. Not the Sale Sharks, but the Sharks of Durban. They're the new drags basically. The new dragons in the URC. Don't be horrible because a good friend of mine I was chatting to over Christmas, yes. Mike Leslie, yes. big shout out, he sent us a Christmas present. Did he really? Me and you. Yeah, like two envelopes. Here they are. Two. Yeah. Look. One for you, one for me. Oh, big nice. Jim. And what's mine say? Big Jim. Wait there. Umbro. Hollywood Hollywood Bet Sharks. Wait there. I feel bad opening yours. Don't it's worry. like when you open someone else's Christmas present. I'll let you, Jim. All right, I've already opened it. <laughs> I, d- I, d- I didn't know it was yours because they both it came in the box. Wait there. So mine's a triple XL. What size is yours? Five XL. No, yours, <laughs> is, yours is actually a four XL. Goody ten. Yes. So be careful yeah, what you say. I love the sharks. I've still got some of my real shark shirts in the. Uh, it's in the closet actually. Um, so yours there is a four XL. Four XL, mate. Don't need that anymore. Back in the day, I needed it, but not now. I lost a lot of weight, James. So be careful what we say about the Hollywood bet sharks because we're fans, but we have to call it how it is. They are not stupid, are they? The loss to the Lions. Yeah, they want us to talk them up by sending us presents, but we can't do that when you lose to the Lions, especially at home. So uh, thank you for the presents. And on presents, another shout out in the bad this week. Maul and Brawl. Maul and Goo. Where is it, Jim? I still haven't had my Maul and Brawl, (laughs) yet the scent is based on my smell. You're gonna are be, you joking? You're going to be hearing Has from Akmash my lawyers. Not sent you it? You are going to be hearing from my lawyers. <laughs> Blame Akmash. <laughs> You've shown me videos of people stealing cars around by you. Do you think they're not going to steal more brawl.com? <laughs> of course they are. There you go. Uh, that gets mentioned the bad. The Scarlets get a mention of the bad as well. They're now known as the Scats until they win some games. They lost at home to the Dragons. That's not great. But the bad this week, unfortunately, goes to friend of the show, big friend of Jim Hamilton's and mine, actually, uh, Mac Hansen dislocated his shoulder against Munster at the weekend. He's out of the Six Nations. He's out for about three or four months. So bad news for Mac, for Ireland, for everyone, because we love watching him play rugby. And that's why Mac Hansen wins the bad this week. And then the ugly, only one bit of ugly, and it's nothing to do with any physicality, anyone smashing anyone in the head. We're going away from that this week because the only one ugly thing I saw over the weekend from our lovely game of Rugby Union was Alfie Barbary giving it the biggest spewy-ewy-ewy you have ever seen on the pitch at the final whistle. He's basically been out in the beers the night before, and he? he must have been. He is chundering. He was at the darts. <laughs> you see the picture going yeah, around? There's did, a yeah. picture that Rob knows. Yeah. Mate's at the darts. <laughs> oh, what's up? What, I, yeah, I, oh, I got the shits, mate. No, no. No, mate. You've had 25 pints to get us at the darts. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he was uh, spewing on the pitch. It was all purple. I reckon he was having purple nasties. Do you remember those drinks? Purple nasties. Well, uh, what, what purple nasties? A purple nasty was a uh, was lager, blackcurrant, and cider mixed together. Well, that does sound pretty nasty. Loughborough Uni, that was. That's where that started. So yeah. Anyway, Alfie Barbary, he gets the ugly this week for his big spew all over the field. Right, Andrew, we got a few shout outs. You referenced it there. 
Maul and Brawl is back up and running. Well, where is do you it? you want to do the promo or me? Where I is told it? you, mate. Where is it? Mash, it's that good. It is that good, mate. You're making the delivery sound like it's really bad. It might be. It's more the production pipeline. We had to close it off over Christmas because it was just getting mad. I'll tell you it what. Was madness. I'll give you, I'll sum up Maul and Brawl. A quality product with a shit logistics side to the business. <laughs> <laughs> hey, shit logistically everywhere. But we are back up and running. It's maulandbrawl.com for men that maul and... Women that brawl. So if you want to make an order post-Christmas, we'll give you a code as well. Rugby pod, you get 10% off. And it smells lovely. It is dark honey and tobacco. And it won't get delivered, so don't buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, actually, you should try. Andrew says it won't get delivered. Just try us. I dare you to put an order in. Moreandbrawl.com. Right, so there's a shout-out there. But this shout-out's even bigger and even better and more important. So Doddy Aid is back up and running. So remember, we've been doing it for the last couple of years unfortunately i've not been able to do it this year i'm on the road too much so i only want to commit i'm either all in or not in but i'm here to shout out doddyaid.com 2024 so people who've done it before you know what you have to do you sign up you get a snood you choose your team go barbarians i was the captain of them for two years we were very successful i think they've raised about three hundred thousand pound now but you know the target's going to be more i can go into more detail about it but the crux of it are we're now a few years into this and there's still no cure for motor neurons disease. We've seen how it affected Doddy Weir and the great man lost his life. Ed Slater as well, good friend of ours, friend of the show, legend of a bloke. We've seen Rob Burrow and Sir Kevin Sinfield, what he did just before Christmas and the money raised, the profile put on MND. We need to keep this rolling. So that's what Doddy Aid is going to be doing throughout all of January. It's brilliant for exercise, mental health, physical health. But ultimately, you sign up, doddyaid.com. You get yourself a snood. That 20 quid for your snood goes into the pot. £300,000 raised so far. So please sign up if you can and get involved in an unbelievable movement, but also to raise funds and much-needed awareness around MND. Yeah, 100%. Uh, A massive shout-out as well goes to the lads at Chiswick RFC, who have spent the last four months of the season cleaning up, painting, adding more changing rooms, and generally upgrading their facilities, only to have it broken into over the Christmas period. Thousands of pounds worth of kit was stolen, as well as a load of senseless vandalism, meaning they're essentially starting from square one again. So if anyone can lend a hand around the Chiswick area near London, in London, it would be great for the rugby club to have a spare pair of hands and a bit of help would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. This is a sad one, this, and we want to raise some profile and hopefully some funds. Yeah, we want to give a shout out to one of the rising stars of women's rugby. Her name is Ella Cromack. She plays fly half for Harlequins women. Ella's dad, Simon, last year was unfortunately diagnosed with a high-grade braid tumour. Simon played a massive part in Ella's rugby journey, but his diagnosis could mean that he misses out on seeing her playing for England and becoming a Red Rose. Simon's cancer is incurable. However, there are treatments that can extend his life but they aren't available, unfortunately, on the NHS. The family have set up a GoFundMe page to help raise funds so that hopefully Simon can see Ella fulfil her dream of playing for England. So as sad as it is, we want to try and raise some money for Simon, for Ella, for the family. And to do that, and if you'd like to donate, just head to givesimontime.com. We're thinking about you, Simon and Ella, here from the Rugby Pod. Yeah, we certainly are. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, Andrew. And thanks to producer Rob. Thank you all for listening as well. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify.
Rugby Spot. Spotted Pod, 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 Pod.